Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Good morning. Can everyone hear me all right? Oh, beautiful song, guys. Thank you. Missed that one, actually. It was lovely. So it's me this morning. <laughs> And it's been quite a week coming up with this, I have to say, but uh, it's nice to finally get it, get it out of my head into yours. <laughs> so, uh, in the film Avatar that we've just seen, we are taken through a story of a man who goes through a transformation, both inwardly and quite literally outwardly, as you've seen the film. Jake Sully, who's the character, the, the male character there, is actually a military man who has by chance been taken in under a new scheme to help build relationships with the natives of a planet called Pandora by becoming one of them via an avatar body. Jake begins this process cynical, childish, selfish and stubborn. Yet Natiri sees something more in him and we see a wonderful journey of self-discovery and maturity unfold until finally he becomes part of the tribe. This morning, I'd like to take us on a similar journey of self-discovery and hopefully help us understand the roles that we have taken on in our lives that perhaps need to be questioned and how by understanding the roles we play, we can actually learn to come into a more mature state. Last week, Jenny beautifully talked about quite a lot of things, but the thing that stood out to me and, and I took from it was the patterns that we play out, the scripts and narratives we live by, the maps that we create and the resentments and emotional responses that these can bring up. And when talking about the Martha story, we learned how, if you haven't heard it, by the way, I recommend you hear it. And, and I recommend you listen to it again if you were here last week, because you do get a lot more stuff out of these things when you hear them a few times. But we learned that from Martha, how if these things are undealt with, these patterns can play out in many ways, and we develop roles that we play in how we interact with ourselves and how we engage and interact with others. This really resonated with me at the moment, as currently I'm definitely outworking some of this with my own life. But I've come to learn that I have adopted certain patterns or scripts, as I'm also going to refer to them this morning, and ways of being that have meant I now play a role in my life that maybe isn't truthfully who I really am now or desire to be. Scripts affect our everyday behaviour, even when it's an unconscious life plan adopted by us over time. Our frame of reference developed through our history is then actually designed to enable us to view the world in ways that will reinforce those scripts and narratives and patterns. 
Like Jake in Avatar, I have wounds and a history that has moulded me into that way of being, and it doesn't always serve me. If we're all being honest with ourselves... I need to walk, sorry. If we're all being honest with ourselves, <laughs> all of us have roles that we play in our marriages, our relationships, our parenting, workplaces, social scenarios, social chameleons, change ourselves to suit the situation we're in, the agendas that we have. How have we got here? I want to explore this further and ask myself if... I am actually living in a state of awareness. You know, we talk about this a lot, don't we? Consciousness, awareness. And we're always going to bring that to you because that is ultimately where we feel right now we need to be aiming for. But living that way is so vital to a healthy lifestyle. But yet we don't often prioritise it as we're so familiarised with the patterns we have formed over many, many years. We can almost try and prevent our own enlightenment as it sits uncomfortably to change, doesn't it, our habitual patterns. Changing habits is never an easy process, but we can live preventatively instead of powerfully. And I believe, God, whatever that is to you, wants us to live powerfully. Living unconsciously means we can become enslaved to our patterns and allow ourselves to adopt a certain viewpoint and framework, a way of being that's actually at the root of our demise. Anth recently said, it will be a persistent challenge throughout life to ensure you do not become a willing participant in your own enslavement. A persistent challenge. I like that. I'm going to say that again, actually, because I stumbled. It will be a persistent challenge throughout life to ensure you do not become a willing participant in your own enslavement. This is stuff we have to continually address. Patterns, behaviours, beliefs that, if left unattended, can make us willing participants. I can't say that word this morning. <laughs> willing participants in our own enslavement, our own stuckness, our oppressions, ways, agendas, expectations, and rules we put ourselves under. And I'm, I feel like I'm making this sound super negative. This can be things that you feel are positive things in your life. You know, it's just these patterns and things that maybe aren't always helping us. Take me, for example, I'm a mental massive people pleaser and I can understand how this is playing out for me. And if I'm not careful, I have made virtues out of my unhealthy habits of not wanting to feel rejection or needing to be seen as relevant. I have enslaved myself to a certain way of living that I can resent. And sometimes we can make virtues of these things. Well, because we justify it, don't we? I'm doing it because that's the right thing to do, or, you know, this, that, and the other. Because we want to feel like it's serving us, when sometimes maybe it's not. So in life, we have opted to be a winner, a loser, a survivor, a fighter. Some of you might feel like a saviour, a destroyer, or perhaps just a mediocrity. And then we view others as either better or worse than us. We become our own inner critic, and this seeps out. Take our journey of faith and relationship with God. Patterns, historical teaching, authoritative voices, and emotional feelings and responses that we have attached to things that perhaps are not helping us live freely in all that is on offer in our spirituality. Whatever part you play, we decide a life script and unconsciously form a way of making sense of our world, how we perceive it, our observations of how big figures in our life behave, what they and their peers say to us, what we overhear, the stories we are told and even the television programmes we watch. 
We amend that narrative as necessary to fit our own circumstances, and this all accumulates over time. In recent years, however, haven't we, we've been brought through a wonderful deconstruction of old religious patterns and beliefs, and Anth and Chris have taken cue on a quest to discovery and living openly. But sometimes it's easier, isn't it, to stick to what we know, as it feels comfortable, and we like our familiarity and patterns. However, really, once the wool's been taken off your eyes, how can you ever go back? Like Joel talked about the other week, the emperor's new clothes story. Once he knew the truth, how could he go back? If not careful, we can end up like the children of Israel, constantly needing nurturing and feeding in a codependent need or constant validation and support. In the end, they wanted to go back to their enslavement as the uncomfortableness of living freely became too much to bear. Don't hear what I'm not saying, though. We all need nurture and we need love, and that way of being keeps us growing and it helps us become mature. But as a parent myself, I know with my children, I want to help them become adults. I want them to help them to become mature, to be able to have an adult relationship with me as they grow and survive and thrive in the world. And that's what our spirituality and faith wants for us. God says, come, let us reason together. He invites us to be in that presence where change can happen. We are invited to adopt a mature state where we can learn and grow and be in relationship always coming to our spirituality from a place of need, maybe where some of us like to dwell, but I don't believe God wants, us that, wants that for us. I believe Christ wants us to take a look within and find all that we need has already been given to us. This morning, I'd like to get a bit psychological with you and introduce you to a form of psychotherapy called transactional analysis. Don't turn off. It's all right. Um, but don't be put off by this, seriously. Understanding how our inner workings is actually really important for our growth in all warps of life, and it can really help shift some perspectives that could free us. I found it very enlightening, and I hope you will too, but I'm by no means an expert. I'm going to disclaim here. You know, this is something I've just been learning, and these are just some thoughts that I'd like to share. And those of us who do come up here on a Sunday, you know, we're just offering our own perspective on things, you know, giving you a half-hour window into some processes and thoughts we have. But, you know, we encourage you to go and have your own thoughts and, and take away what we're saying and think about it, digest it, see what you feel about it. But first, I want to show you another clip from Avatar of Jake's journey, which I hope will help me illustrate my message. Jake has now started to adopt a new culture and narrative and is starting to understand a new way of being that flows with the forest and the energy that comes with being open and willing to completely change the habitual patterns he has learnt all his life. He learns about true connection and starts to see and understand himself within. So, transactional analysis. Transactional analysis is a therapy from, or therapy, if I'm talking properly, from psychologist Eric Byrne. Byrne's original theory started with the core pillars of the three ego states. It's kind of like a thinking, doing, feeling breakdown of ourselves as individuals. But what's important about this theory is that it's about communication and how we interact within groups and within ourselves. He defined an ego state as a constant pattern of feeling and experience directly related to a corresponding consistent pattern of behaviour. In other words, if we consistently think a certain way, then we will consistently behave a certain way. 
This is where our patterns and the roles we play are rooted. So there's three ego states, parent, child, and adult. And these are not just based on your actual parenting or child experiences. It's about the inner dialogue, the inner parent, the inner child, the inner adult. And it's all been drawn from all sorts of parenting experiences that you might have had in your life. So it could be within organisations, it could be within the church, it could be within your wider family, it could be in, in, in any sort of social scenario where you felt authority or where you've had feelings. Uh, and when we swallow them, they become our parent-child voice and how we can respond to situations in life through our transactional behaviour. So first, I'm going to talk about the internal parent. This is the authoritative voice. It almost acts as a filing system for all the things that we know. So our facts, beliefs, patterns, principles, all of our knowledge and experience of the world, most of which has been taught to us. We often rely on this internal parent to navigate us through our choices and parent us through the learnings we have. It comes to us from an authoritative point. For example, how to cross a road safely, how to make your bed and look after yourself practically, social rules and etiquette that we can find stabilising. You know how to follow the rules, to fit in, to be good, to be acceptable, i.e. we know how to show up on time, how to dress, how to behave appropriately, a good performer. But where it becomes negative is when that voice becomes our critical dialogue, punishing, diminutive, dismissive, your inner critic, which in turn will probably be your outer critic too. If we're honest, the things that we judge ourselves for, we most probably judge others for. The other side of this is the nurturing parent. It's still a wise, empowered authority, but it's also protective and compassionate, offering acceptance and love and care. It can be a quiet voice for many of us, though, sadly. But in a negative sense, even with that, it can be a voice that's debilitating or exhausting. Don't worry, don't push yourself, you just sit back and rest. You're just fine as you are. And that's not always helpful either, is it? But for example, historically, God has been represented to us as an authoritative figure. He's always been male, father, king, master. Why? Because culturally, as we know from the teachings of Anthony Chris, and I urge you to go back and listen to the legacies if you want to hear more on this, but because it needed to be the parental authority and was represented that way, it's patriarchal in a need to control but that's not the God I know and love. This God is to be served and feel judged by. It's both critical and nurturing, but with a need for power. And we've been fed a version of him that has meant we have scripted a spiritual path that is keeping some of us stuck. Until recent years, we saw him as father, as king. But while ever we view it that way, we'll always come to it as a child, needing a codependent state that tells us how to live and what to be how to behave. Whatever we have viewed God or whatever version of God you have as our authority, we will adopt a childlike way of connecting with it. We look to it to parent us, which creates a codependency. Whatever we have codependency, we will struggle to make our own choices, understand our own voice and find our own path. We look to the will of God as our guide. So what's your authoritative voice and what's it saying to you?
Is it being critical, supportive, helpful? Is it navigating you? Only you can answer that. Next is the internal child. This is where our feelings reside. Oh, our needs, our wants, our providers, and provides our emotional responses to each situation. But it's also where our instincts and sensory exploration was formed. Creativity is birthed here. Instinctive, reactive, passionate, loads of creativity, dynamism, spontaneity, energy, impulse, emotion. Things that move us, give us adrenaline, release endorphins, gives us the highs and the come down. The negative of the inner child is it's where our pains and rejections live, our emotional cup. We care what other people think, the judgments of others, a right way of being. We feel our injustices here and the pains of rejection. We can be self-loathing, form self-destructive patterns of behaviour, defiant, destructive, follow paths that are dangerous. This is when you are meanest to yourself. You don't value yourself and you're unkind to yourself. We saw this with Jake when he was acting up. Martha, when her feelings spilled out of the injustice she felt. The prodigal son story is certainly an example how both sons in the scenario exercise their feelings. The son who leaves, who spends his inheritance, then comes back with his tail between his legs when it hasn't worked out for him. Little tad sniff of feeling like he's owed more. The son who stayed getting mad when his brother is welcomed with open arms. I've stuck around and worked hard, where's my party? The feelings spilling out can sound familiar. How often do we feel we're owed for our efforts? It's a common narrative. The inner parent telling them they're owed more and the inner child acting out. We can spill out when we don't get what we want, act up, speak aggressively or hurtfully. It can be self-protecting, needing to get what you want. Or it can internally resist something that we don't want to like, or we don't want, like to work late, to tidy the house, to lose status, like Martha. This is where our masks reside, and we wear a mask to suit our needs. But as I said, this is also, it's not all bad, guys, this is also where creativity is born. The bright ideas, the new thinking, the exploring, discovery. So don't forget that part. There's a lot of beautiful stuff in our inner child as well as our sensible inner parent. And we were all born with the same ability to create and to have ideas and to form wonderful things in our lives. It's just some of this stuff has got in the way. But if we respond to life just as a child, we can be needy, emotional, frustrated when we don't get what we want or believe we told we can have. We tantrum or go inwardly quiet when things haven't worked out how we wanted. The silent treatment. And we look for something to blame because our script hasn't played out how it was supposed to or how our inner parent planned so carefully with its inward organised plan. How many people blame God for things that have or haven't happened? Because we look to it to serve our needs and our expected outcomes. We look to it to parent us. But what about when that doesn't happen? When prayers are not answered? Equally, if we respond to life mainly from our parent dialogue, we could become condescending in our grown-up form. Mother knows best. We can be controlling as we seek to feel okay about things. And both are forms of control, really, in some respects. And we don't need... And we don't really need to see control always as a villain, by the way. None of this is about 
that. It's about coping mechanisms and the patterns we play out. And then we have our inner adult. There's hope, guys. There's the inner adult role, the referee. But I don't mean like, these days we kind of view adulting in quite a comical way, don't we? Like, I don't want to pay the bills. I don't want to go to work. I don't want an adult. That's a very modern concept. And, and actually that's coming from these ego states hugely. And that's not the adult we're talking about here. We're talking about a mature state that comes from within. And this is a rounded version of ourselves when we take the data presented to us through our emotional reactions of inner child and our structured filing system of inner parent, but we reason with it and come to a stable conclusion. It acts as mediator between our parent and child ego states. When in adult ego we think, we identify problems, recognize the need to find a solution, consider the advantages and disadvantages, review the implications, weigh the possibilities of success and make decisions. We seize the potential. And this may be within a fraction of a second or it may be a much longer process. It lives in the here and now reality. The other two are always coming from the past. Adult is the best chance of being a channel to the appropriate conclusion and response. This is the part we channel the information so we are actually coming from a here and now place. So this is good news. Thankfully, there is a system in place that rescues us and wants to draw out all the good stuff that's going on. That's wonderful, yeah? Ideally, though, we want to flow through the three ego states, letting adult mediate and declutter the negative messages, let the child see new ways of doing things and the parent measure the implications of that. Child and parent manage can be great things to us. The adult state will always draw it into the now and present experience and help us interact and engage in social scenarios as well. It encourages growth to draw out that child creativity and excitement, to let the inner parent guide us helpfully, to let us live powerfully and openly in our awareness of the now, not the triggers of the past. These ego states determine how we interact with others and their differing personality types. We've all learnt about the Enneagram, yeah? And if you haven't, I encourage you to look into it. And we all have different facets and ways of being. But how do we navigate through those differences? By getting upset and annoyed, frustrated, bossy, needy, pleasing, acceptable, virtuous, acting the hero, hiding ourselves, not joining in, by overcompensating, overpromising. You know, this all works out in how we interact with people and how we understand their personality types and your personality types. And what happens when that happens? You can't just avoid people, can you? You've got to learn to work with it, particularly in certain situations like church. Jake had to learn to adult, Jake from the film, to mature and change his habitual patterns and inner script. He had to learn a new way of life from the inside out, to the point where he physically, at the end of the film, transforms himself and leads the people. Your inner adult, which I currently believe is Christ awareness, Christ consciousness, all that stuff we talked about, is there to help navigate your inner child and inner parent into a reasonable outcome. We can't avoid things that we have experienced, of course we can't, or avoid the feelings that we have felt, that's all life experience. But we can learn to filter them and learn when some stuff needs to go in the memory dump. The stuff that no longer serves us, 
the old belief systems, the old ways of behaving that perhaps got us what we wanted, but maybe sometimes to our own detriment or the suffering of others. Obviously, not all of this is negative. There's plenty of stuff that has shaped us and we can learn from. I guess only you can decipher what that is and how that's playing out for you. Is it critical? Is it curbing your creativity and stopping you evolve and grow? Or is it helping and connecting to a relationship in your life? Are they feeding each other well? Let your awareness guide you and ask yourself the questions. Maturity is a now thing. Jesus was a now person who understood how to adult. If we believe he was man, then we have to believe that he faced the same inner dialogues that we have. We see those ego states outwork constantly with his disciples and how he handled their injustices, their outpouring of emotions, and in how he handled Martha's resentment coming to her from an adult state. Simple, yet effective. There must have been moments where he felt utterly drained by it all, though, or the hurt from the physical betrayal of Jesus, or when Peter denied him. The difference is, though, he'd learned the ability to see within. He saw who they were, not on the outside with their masks and rules of living. He saw their hearts into their being. He understood his inner voices and reconciled them. And he saw their inner narratives and always tried to help guide them an adult with them. Help bring them into a state of maturity where they could live with awareness he always invited them to be Christ-centred and know their own state rather than live codependently on him. The children of Israel struggled with this freedom, didn't they? If we heard the other week, they missed their enslavement as they didn't learn how to feed themselves and grow. The demand that adulting had on them is to be mature and to look at the innermost parts and reason and they wanted to stay codependent. <laughs> Even yesterday, so... I say, I, you know, I'm saying all this like I've learned it somehow. I'm still living this out. I don't think it's something that just you, you figure out and off you go. It's a constant evolving process. And even yesterday, I was sat at a trampoline park with Sophie, and um, I was feeling a bit anxious about all this. I was a little bit edgy. And I went to the cafe, and the woman behind the till did something that really irritated me. But I was already feeling a bit vulnerable and off. And... Um, Rather than handle it well, I just got a bit stroppy. And I sat down afterwards with my notes, and I thought, oh, look, I've just literally played out this whole scenario. You know, my inner parent going, come on, you know, this should be better than this, da-da-da-da. And then my inner child going, bruh, 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 and stomping off, you know. That was really well handled. And even James came home yesterday as well from a trip to Tesco's he'd had with, with Layla, where they were looking to get a, a photo put on a cake, which... Wasn't that simple, it would seem. And he goes up to a, a cashier, um, an assistant in Tesco's. It's also a great, it's not a great example of customer service, anything, what I'm telling you this morning. But he goes up to this assistant and he said, Oh, can you tell me where skewers are? Because he was looking for skewers. And she was too busy chatting up the customer she was with. And he was stood there for so long, you know, he's thinking, Okay, okay. <laughs> he's in a parent's going, This isn't good enough, this isn't good enough. And he's in his child's going, I'm going to kick off in a minute. And then he's in his you know, adults say, just chill, you know, let's just be patient and wait, whatever. And eventually he asks her where the skewers are and he just gets met with, well, I don't know. So he, he goes off somewhere else, finds someone else, who then he says to them, um, you know, I'm looking for skewers. And they were like, well, I don't know. And he's, by this point, it's, 
it's it's bubbling. And he says, you know, where where are the skewers? And she said, oh, aisle seven. So off he skips to find there is no aisle seven. (laughs) There's no aisle seven. And so then he's at fruit and veg. They go, I know they're not here. So then he sees another person from the shop and says, I won't say where it is. And he says, "Um, so where... Where are the skewers? I'm really looking for skewers. I'm in a bit of a rush now. You know, he's got George and Layla with him, just dragging them round. And, and he goes, well, I don't know. And he was like, someone has to know where they are. And eventually he looks at his thing and went, oh, aisle 47 anyway. Eventually, aisle 47 doesn't exist either. <laughs> and he's marching around Tesco, just getting madder and madder. And eventually he's met with this, this woman who says, can I help you, sir? Because she thinks she can see... There's some stuff coming on, coming out of him here. And, and I'm not saying he wasn't justified in being frustrated. Sometimes this stuff's justified, but it doesn't mean always how you handle it is. Anyway, she eventually helped him, long story short, and he found the skewers. And, and, he, and I think he let rip a little bit to her, the injustices of it all, and how frustrating he was. And it was them, it was them, and it was them. <laughs> and then he comes home to me and plays out the whole story to me. And I'm laughing, thinking, this is brilliant for tomorrow because your parental state's saying I deserve better than this you know come on this is ridiculous and his inner child's kicking off and having a go at the lady and um, (laughs) then he says to me do you know what I might write a letter of complaint you know I might actually I think you just need to chill out James to be fair but that's another modern day example of how this stuff happens So back to my notes. So our spirituality has to mature and grow just as we would physically. This isn't a one-time solution, of course. It's a constant evolving, like I just said, of being open to ask ourselves, like me yesterday, why did I feel that way when so-and-so said X? Or why did that choice that person make make me feel that way? What did that trigger in me and why? Why was my inner child parents saying? What were they saying? And what was spilling out of me? And where was that coming from? We have a Christ, God, spirituality that desires oneness with us. I and the Father are one. To not, to not be the critical parent or a nurturing one either, but one that is part of it all. Wholeness takes the whole of you and the whole of Christ and makes it one. It's like the song at the beginning. It's all one. I love it. All your past, your feelings, your learnings, your triggers, your good stuff, your not-so-good stuff, and it takes it all on. In this analysis of parent-child-adult theory, how does that fit? It fits through meeting God, the Father, on equal measure, being with it on a level of connectedness that invites me to a conversation So we're no longer parent to child, child to parent. We are adult to adult, adult state to adult state. It invites me to a conversation, an open dialogue that I am part of. Not an authoritative set of rules to obey. It's in this it means we have to let go of that codependent mindset, stick it in the brain dump. If we really believe I am then we can believe that I and the Father are one. We can embrace the oneness of that. We can't see where one stops and the other begins. I love that. Again, like in the song at the beginning, that was so beautifully sung, you know, everything just 
is one and it flows and there's an energy. And I know some of you probably hate me saying that, but where does God begin and I start? It's, it's just all one. And it's a cycle, it's a circle, it's beautiful. And this is what makes it relational. It's gorgeous and not dependable. Relationship with the Christ within is meeting it being to being, adult to adult. Come, let us reason together. We are invited to reason with the Christ within. We are invited to adult. We have all that we need within us to reason and conclude. God, again, whatever that is for you, invites us to do so. That's how we live consciously in Christ, reasoning our behaviours, our agendas, our history, our inner thinking, always being open and willing to be enlightened and changeable, flowing beautifully with the ups and downs of life with confidence in the wholeness, the yin and yang, light in the dark and dark in the light. God stops becoming and being a being to attain to or impress, but an energy in what completes us, heals us, soothes us and waters us, a fresh new culture to adopt and live freely in, being seen, like Jake in the forest. He learnt the energy and connected with it. He saw beyond what was visible and learned to feel instinctively within his new maturity. So rather than prayer being a request, let it be your dance. Worship as a lifestyle. Faith in my oneness with Christ as my equal. Hope as my anchor and love as my centre. Not knowing where one stops and the other begins and knowing truly, madly, deeply how really to be seen. Christ will always meet us in our now. Christ consciousness, awareness, our adult state. The tools we need to manage life and our journey of enlightenment is always in the present. It invites us to analyse our inner narrative and learn what behaviours and patterns that need putting in the memory dump and helps us flow through all the parental and childlike experiences that have shaped us and it becomes our own referee, helping us make executive decisions. That's where Christ saves us and guides us from within because it sees you. Isn't it nice when you feel seen and you still feel loved. When someone just gets you and sees you through it all. I see you. Christ consciousness comes to us with all our broken pieces, our inner egos, our script, narratives and patterns and says, I see you and invites us to see it together. So come Q, let us reason together. Look inside at the Christ in you who replies tenderly, I see you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>